This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the airport, your one-stop shop for all the latest goings on in the royal family and the House of Windsor. I'm, of course, your host, Omid Scobie. Uh, alone by myself in isolation trying to make things work uh, on the technology front uh, this time around because we did have some issues last time uh, but I do have some moral support and my sidekick Maggie Ruley, <laughs> ABC News foreign correspondent welcome back hey oh man always love being your sidekick I'm obviously at home as well isolated but it's kind of fun we all are isolated so it's sort of like we're all together maybe kind of it is. You know, I, I think the sense of solidarity is yeah. strong at this point. Um, but you did have a little break away from uh, the I madness did. of the four walls of your home. Uh, you're back <laughs> you know, from Paris. And it felt bizarre. Yeah, we went to Paris. Paris had one of the strictest uh, quarantine, isolation, lockdowns, whatever you want to call it, in all of Europe. And uh, they finally, after 55 days, started to ease their lockdown. And so that easing started on Monday. We were in Paris when it happened. And you know, it was just weird, Omid. I mean, on one hand, it was fantastic because all of a sudden, all of Paris came out uh, for, you know, again, those 55 days. If you were living in Paris or anywhere in France, you had to have a written permission slip to leave your house. So that's how strict it was. Mm. People really were not leaving. Uh, so for them, all of a sudden, they could leave their house and uh, frolic about without a reason, not having to justify themselves. And people were out. I mean, I went for a nice run along the Seine one night, and there were just hundreds, hundreds hundreds of people out in small groups, wow. even drinking a little bit. And it was, on one hand, exciting and energetic. And then on the other hand, just felt so weird. You know, we haven't seen scenes like that in months. And to see it again was jarring. Yeah, I would imagine that it's almost like kind of being reborn into the world again. You're sort of <laughs> taking things in as it's around you. I'm not yeah. sure how comfortable I would feel straight away. But what what is so beautiful about that, and I saw the scenes uh, in your reports on ABC News, just how excited people were to be finding yeah. some normality again in their lives and that of course even for those of us aren't who aren't in France seeing a country finally get back to how it used to be is so hopeful for the rest of us you know it does feel like over here we're still a long way away from that um, but th that is just such a promising sign mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think you, you mentioned that there's a lot of confusion and people are excited, but they're also nervous and scared. And we heard that from a lot of people. But it's such a good point you make. Being able to look to some of these countries that are opening up in different ways, it reminds you, you know, this won't last forever. Their uh, life is going on. There will be an out of this. It might look different than what life was like beforehand. But, you know, we are surviving. We're living, hopefully thriving in certain places while we're dealing with a crisis. Um, so it's like a slight light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, it might be difficult to get there. And we'll have some ups and downs, but you know, we'll all get through it together. Absolutely. What a great place to find a little bit of freedom, uh, especially in the home of some of the best food in the world. I'd oh imagine gosh. you didn't come back empty handed. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I found a lot of freedom and a lot of cheese, a lot of baguettes, <laughs> a lot of croissants, maybe a little bit of wine, more cheese on repeat. <laughs> is your refrigerator well stocked back in London? It now? is. So I will say I've been lucky enough to go to Paris quite frequently for assignments since I uh, started here about seven months ago. And every time I load up on cheese from the fromageries, I like say we have to go get cheese. And every time my husband's very appreciative. But then the next day he's always like, Maggie, our kitchen reeks right now. Like we need you need to stop bringing back so much cheese because <laughs> the smell just permeates out of the fridge into our you know our small apartment. And he's like, this whole place just. Stinks. It stinks right now. <laughs> All <laughs> and my response is, we, we need to eat it faster. You know, that's the that's the solution. If you ask well, me, <laughs> if you need some advice on how to eat, yes. that, <laughs> Prince Charles actually took to his to the Clarence House Twitter account this week to share a recipe uh, for cheesy baked eggs, which is apparently oh, his gosh. favorite <laughs> breakfast of all time. The tweet said that he is a proud champion of native British cheese. So we may have to bend the rules a little bit here. But he, I, I thought it was so interesting <laughs> to see the Clarence House Twitter account step away from the usual content mm-hmm. that they're posting and share something that was a little bit more irreverent and lighthearted. Uh, He, of course, stuck to what we know Prince Charles for. He spoke about, where possible, using organic ingredients, British Mm. cheeses, and supporting the industries that make them during the pandemic. And I really think that that was kind of the message behind it. And just FYI, it was recently the British Cheese Weekender in this country. So the timing of your deliveries was... Oh, was it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's sort of funny. So when we were in France, there was a big push from French government officials to have people eat cheese right now they're making it a patriotic duty because during lockdown people aren't buying as much cheese and so the dairy industry says they may have to get rid of in France alone 5,000 tons of cheese so I wonder if in the UK there might be a similar push and perhaps there's actually more to the the cheesy breakfast story you know perhaps this will help encourage people to keep buying local support local farmers make sure that you know produce gets eaten not thrown away things like dairy are used Um, so it's kind of interesting how patriotism can tie into what we eat and if again that theme of we're all in this together whether it be you know British people buying British cheese to support uh, the British dairy industry or or the French people doing the same thing you know just supporting one another and um you know on this note I just thought it would be good to read some of the ingredients from the cheesy baked eggs a recipe (laughs) from Clarence House because if, you, if you're wondering what's in cheesy baked eggs, which perhaps we all are, you would be correct to say every type of cheese. Um, there's 35 grams of strong, soft cheese. Okay. There's 80 milligrams of double cream. There's an egg. And in case all of that wasn't enough, there's also 15 grams of hard cheese. So you got your hard cheese, you got your soft cheese, and you got your double cream. I mean, it sounds like a well-rounded breakfast to me, Omid. Uh, I love at the end it says optional charcuterie. That should never be op- should never be optional. The o- only answer to that is yes. <laughs> it's been really nice to see the royal family sort of out in their finest form again this week through Zoom or whatever platforms that they're using. And I would say that the theme for this week has very much been one of praise and gratitude. Uh, I think across all royal family members, the messages that have been going out, uh, not just to people working on the front lines here in the UK, but to people all around the world involved in this pandemic and fighting against it have all received words of thanks uh, from the royal family and 
Prince Charles, who we were just talking about, both him and his wife Camilla, uh, they shared a, a letter and also a video thanking postal workers across the country because, of course, the British Royal Mail has continued its work every day throughout this pandemic. I've have all courier companies and anyone delivering packages. I don't know about you, but I've certainly been ordering a fair <laughs> amount online. Um, but I think it's great that the acknowledgement goes beyond uh, some of the more obvious places and that we are actually thinking of everyone that is really sort of uh, taking a risk uh, to put themselves mm-hmm. out there uh, for the benefits of others. It was such a good point. I mean, we've talked about essential workers quite a bit. And obviously, the men and women who are in the hospitals are incredibly important. And it's just it's hard to, you know... Um, appreciate the sacrificers making enough, but there's a lot of people on the front lines right now, including those postal workers. I mean, and sadly, I know around the world, there's been postal workers who have died in the midst of this uh, pandemic as well. So mm-hmm. it's so, so important to acknowledge them and to make sure that they're also, you know, held up as people that are really putting their lives on the line, like you said. And I loved in this video, you know, they showed their postal worker as well. They kind of put a face to these people that are, that are uh, yeah. working for us during this pandemic. And it was kind of a sweet moment. It was. I think we really had a sort of like deeper insight into Charles and Camilla's lives. I think being able mm. to see into Burkhall, you know, we had that great video inside the letter, uh, the message of thanks to Royal Mail employees that showed them receiving the packages themselves. And it was again, it was them sort of outside the front door of their home. And it's, uh, it, I guess it's that sort of more intimate personal glimpse into the lives of the royal family that we hadn't had before and of course that mm-hmm. continued uh when all the family members or all of many of the senior family members teamed up uh on a call or to various calls to nurses around the world to celebrate international nurses day and i mm-hmm. think that that day couldn't have come at a better time because i think we all every day are so grateful for nurses and medical and care workers across the front lines all over the world and this message from the members of the royal family really uh did just that. Yeah, it was great to see such a collective front, right? A collective, uh, this unit of thanks coming from the royal family and uh, not just them too. I, it, it was great as well to see so many other celebrities coming out for Nurses Day. You know, I was actually on the um, Isle of Wight for uh, Nurses Day and we were outside of hospital. We were working a story there and it was really moving. This whole group of administrative uh, staff from the hospital came out and they were socially distancing. They were all, uh, you know, six feet apart and they performed this like little skit dance that they had for the nurses and they all kind of yelled happy nurses day at the end but it was a great moment because you saw people at the hospital showing their appreciation for the other nurses also trying to have some fun and also a reminder that uh, it just felt like a very human moment and a reminder that these people that we're celebrating are quite human that are working on the front lines and so it was kind of beautiful and it's cool to see that the royal family is latching on to that spirit of enthusiasm and acknowledging the sacrifice as well. Yeah and it was the first joint royal effort that we'd seen from the kind of wider family members through Zoom. I think we've seen them all sort of doing things separately uh, but more interestingly to me was that this was the first time that we saw the Queen break new ground uh, once again. Uh, I don't know you may not remember this but back in 1940 she gave her first public broadcast on the wireless uh, uh, just remind me you know remind me I, I remember of course but 
Uh, she gave her first public broadcast on the wireless, and that was speaking to children of the Commonwealth in a landmark oh. address uh, that was uh, just alongside a sort of black and white photo. And so here we are eight decades on, and we have the Queen breaking ground again at the age of 94, uh, sharing the first ever broadcast of audio from a phone call, private phone call that she had made. Um, and of course, this phone call was to thank nurses for what she said, their very important work. Um, and that that theme continued across the whole video. So we had the Prince of Wales, the Duchess of Cornwall, the Cambridges, Princess Anne, Sophie, the Countess of Wessex, uh, all in this sort of very lively montage of video calls. Uh, we saw Kate and Sophie actually team together on one call. And I think that's the first time we've really seen them together on an engagement, uh, speaking to nurses in seven of the Commonwealth countries. And uh, I think it showed a bit of their sort of the friendship between them as well, because they were joking themselves about homeschooling mm-hmm. uh, amidst sort of, you know, the more serious questions that they had about COVID-19. Um, it was, mm-hmm. a, you know, it was a nice sort of break from what we had seen. I think everyone's struggle at the moment is how do you keep Zoom calls interesting? Because I yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, I fit, really feel like I've seen a lot of people through the lens of a webcam recently. And yeah. after a while, it kind of has... Zoom fatigue. Yeah, it sort of has the same feel after a while. So to keep that content engaging and interesting, especially for such an important day, I thought was really, it was a smart move. Yeah, and this also goes back to what's been kind of fun throughout this uh, lockdown, if you know you can find any type of fun, is the fact that we've been seeing the royals in a new light. I know we keep mentioning that, but this was just another reminder Mm -hmm. that all of a sudden we're seeing them interact together. And again, I know we see them do this um, at events and organized events, but this was almost a glimpse of them interacting on such an intimate personal level, you know, inside their homes, uh, using Zoom, something that we're all using right now. And it just was a way to welcome us into this place that's normally kind of kept pretty secret. Absolutely. I think when we see reporting from royal engagements, often it's the camera footage of sort of small snapshots within that engagement. We don't always get to hear the full conversations that they're having with people and so hearing Sophie and Kate uh, speaking to nurses in Sierra Leone and India and Malawi the Bahamas Australia Cyprus and even back here in London uh, it was I think nice to see how they interacted with everyone but also to hear the kind of questions that they're asking and to hear Mm. the answers to those questions as well about the varying challenges that these nurses and medical workers are facing on the ground sort of everywhere so Again, a really smart move. And we didn't get to see every member of the royal family in this, but I think it shows how everyone is coming together at this difficult time. Yeah. It also was interesting, too, because I think sometimes these types of engagements can feel so forced. But with something like this, I think we all have so many questions for our healthcare workers on the front lines. There's still so much unknown about this virus that, you know, the the interactions were actually felt quite genuine, didn't they? You know, people were um, asking questions that I think are things that everyone wants to know the answers to right now. And so in a a way, it felt more natural and and human than uh, sometimes other engagements can feel. 
Absolutely. What was nice uh, after this, we also heard a little bit more about what some of the other family members are doing. And we heard that Princess Eugenie and her husband, Jack Brooksbanks, Mm. have actually been secretly helping uh, the Salvation Army here in the UK uh, and also looking into ways that they can help hospitals. So uh, Eugenie actually uh, just very recently posted a few photos from a recent volunteer session that she and Jack had had. Of course, as as you know, the Salvation Army have been helping people in in times of crisis and need since 1865 it's very much part of british society in every crisis that we have faced um and i think it was important for them to to be involved and it was great to see them sort of outside of their homes because of course a lot of what we see is through zoom and people Mm. sitting in their living rooms but i think it's also (laughs) great to see that they are not afraid to be out and about and sort of actually get their hands dirty yeah something else we've been talking about is you know when will the royals be back in action outside of their homes maybe this is sort of a glimpse Something that could happen? Well, it's funny you ask that. After the break, I want Mm -hmm. to talk about the Queen's engagements because, of course, at the moment, like all members of the royal family, she is in lockdown at Windsor Castle. And sources say that that lockdown could last a lot longer than we think. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Maggie, as you were asking, how is this lockdown going to affect the work of the royal family in the future? Because, of course, at the moment, we're seeing things done a little differently through Zoom. Uh, Absolutely. But this week we heard uh, that the Queen may stay at Windsor Castle indefinitely, uh, per a new uh, report in the Sunday Times, rather than returning to Buckingham Palace this summer. Of course, we know she usually comes back in May. Uh, We know that all of her major summer events have already been cancelled or postponed. But what's more interesting about these reports and reports that followed is that they're now saying that the Queen could actually not return to work in the way that we knew her to ever again. That's a pretty big statement. What does that even mean? Well, given the Queen's advancing age at 94 Mm. years old, she's in a very high risk category for COVID-19. And although everyone right now is being particularly vigilant about their health, I think the questions that are being asked at the moment and the conversations that are being had that the Queen may not come back to public engagements Mm. or gatherings with large people for some time. Uh, We, of course, don't know how long that could last for. And when I asked the palace, uh, a spokesman just said that the Queen continues to be busy, obviously behind the scenes, and will follow the appropriate advice on engagements, you know, as that comes in. But I think it does raise questions about how will the sort of face of the royal family look uh, in the future? Will the Queen be able to return to the way that we saw her work in the past? Uh, Of course, a lot of her work, you know, the garden parties, the summer Mm. events, uh, Trooping the Colour, these are all involving many, many people. And uh, for us... 
certainly for as, as long as we, we know, uh, that's not going to be safe for some time. Yeah, I think when you first hear that statement, the, the queen might not be returning back to work in the same way she was before indefinitely, it, se- it seems so jarring and quite extreme. But then you take a step back and think about it, and you realize that's kind of everyone right now, right? Like, no one knows when we're going to be able to go back to work as normal. Mm-hmm. Most of my friends know they're not going to be able to go back into the office, at least through the summer months. You know, even for people like us that have to be out in the field a little bit, it's still completely different than the way we used to work. So on one hand, everyone is not returning back to work as they normally would have indefinitely. Mm. But coming from the palace and hearing the fact that the queen almost may never return to that just reminds you how extreme and how serious the situation really is. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed out that that is something that we all face right now, because I think sometimes when you see a story like that isolated with its own headline, it feels very extreme. But of course, this is an approach that many people are taking about work and the workplace. I mean, it was only this week that we saw Twitter announce that they were telling their staff that they can work from home for the rest of their careers (laughs) at the company. And and so, I mean, it sounds great, but but, uh, you know, ultimately that just shows the sort of severe, severe mm. time that we're in and how, how that can have permanent impact on the way that we yeah. all work. Um, this will also affect Buckingham Palace, and which, of course, is open to the mm. public every summer. Uh, we've heard that uh, all the royal residences will be closed this year. None of them will be open. And it will be very interesting to hear how that has an impact, a financial impact on the royal family, because, of course, a lot of the money that is made from opening the doors to the staterooms at Buckingham Palace every summer goes into the money that is spent uh, by the royals on engagements and, and their various mm. uh, activities. So that could uh, really mean some big changes for them in 2021. Yeah, what's interesting is that you you hear those numbers and you realize that the effects of this and the effects of the closures from the pandemic are really impacting everyone, right? I mean, obviously, we know how hard this is hitting so many people around the world in the UK and the US and businesses and they're closing unemployments at a record high and you know obviously the royals are are very well off and so it's it's a completely different stratosphere than the regular human but it is striking that you know they're going to have to look at their finances as well and, and see how the closures from the pandemic are going to affect their their future spending um, you wouldn't necessarily think that the royals would ever have to do that yeah, absolutely. I mean, we know that the, the the cost of funding the royal family through the sovereign grant in the UK is already mm. a very controversial subject uh, and will no doubt be under even mm. further scrutiny if uh, more money is needed uh, in the sort of future financial years. Um, but speaking of the Queen, we of course have been seeing a lot of her. Recently was VE Day and we saw her address the nation to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the event. This of course would have been a much bigger, grander occasion in the streets of London, uh, we, including uh, that fly past by the Royal Air Force, the, the Red Arrows above, above Buckingham Palace. Uh, that didn't happen of course, the Queen is at Windsor Castle in lockdown, but we did get to hear uh, a spine-tingling address from Her Majesty. Today it may seem hard that we cannot mark this special anniversary as we would wish. Instead, we remember from our homes and our doorsteps. But our streets are not empty. They are filled with the love and the care that we have for each other. And when I look at our country today and see what we are willing to do to protect and support one another, I say with pride 
that we are still a nation those brave soldiers, sailors and airmen would recognise and admire. I send my warmest good wishes to you all. And of course, 75 years ago, it was her father, King George VI, that gave that radio address uh, to mark the first ever VE Day. And as the Queen said, we are still a nation of those brave soldiers, sailors and airmen would recognise and admire. Yeah, it was great to see the Queen. I mean, on one hand, we're talking about her um, sort of stepping out from public life, but she's working from home, and she's been working a lot from home, uh, especially in these big events. I was sort of sad the moment. I think uh, VE Day is such a big chance to reflect on the past and, and celebrate and come together as a country, and especially having such a big anniversary like it was this year, it could have really been a, a great moment for everyone to come together and, again, do those things like we said, reflect and, and celebrate. And while I think everyone tried to do it, you know, over Zoom and having these speeches, um, it was a little sad not to have more of a, a moment in the streets uh, marking this big day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a day that the Queen herself said she remembers fondly in her speech. She said that she vividly remembered the jubilant scenes that her mm. and her sister, Princess Margaret, witnessed with their parents in Winston Churchill from the balcony of Buckingham Palace. And I think we've seen those scenes recreated in so many movies since. Uh, but she spoke of it so warmly mm. and that sense of joy in the crowds that had gathered outside uh, to celebrate the victory in Europe. And of course, a VE Day wasn't just a one day of celebrations. We also saw members of the royal family make their own acknowledgements of the day, including Prince Harry, who uh, through Zoom, <laughs> however else, um, from Los Angeles, uh, collaborated with BBC's One Show to put together a, a, a small featurette. We saw Prince Harry help highlight stories from military support groups uh, for the show as part Part of their VE Day coverage, um, which showed Harry uh, join the widow of former Guinea Pig Club member Sandy Saunders. Uh, now, the Guinea Pig Club was formed in 1941 by a group of aircrew and military personnel whose burns injuries were so severe that they allowed themselves to be subjected to experimental cosmetic surgery, such as skin grafts, uh, by a New Zealand surgeon called Sir Archibald Mackendoe. And so Harry spoke with Maggie Wilson, who was the widow of Sandy Saunders, the last mm. member of the Guinea Pig Club, uh, about some of the experimental treatments that he had to his face, hands, legs. Uh, and uh, also it was a chance for Harry to show uh, a little bit of the softer side of himself too. Tell us about him. Well, he was an amazing man. He was sent down to meet um, Mackindoe down in East Grinstead. And when he met him that evening, Mackindoe said, mm, you need new upper eyelids, new lower eyelids. You need a proper nose and I'll give you a mouth so you can kiss the girls. Kiss the girls. And that's what happened. Wow, that's unbelievable. So when you, when you met him, can I ask, he had a, prop, he had a proper nose and, and good lips for kissing? Oh, definitely good lips for kissing, yes. <laughs> hey, Harry, that was sort of sweet, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, I think it's great to see Harry still so involved with his military activities. Mm-hmm. You know, we, 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 we knew at the start of the year when the Sussexes announced that they were stepping away to do their own thing, that on that manifesto that they posted 
on their website, Harry said that the military work will continue very much as strongly as it did before. We saw him very recently put out a video for Invictus Games. Of course, this week should have been the Invictus Games in The Hague. And so it's been, you know, a challenging time, but I think one a time where he's really wanted to remain as engaged in the subject as ever before. Um, and that guinea pig club that we spoke about, uh, there's, a, of course, a modern day counterpart now. There are several around the world, but one including the Kasavak Club, uh, which I believe is uh, comes from the name or the military jargon for casualty evacuation, which they call Kazivak. Um, but two oh. members of the two founding members of the Kazivak Club, Dave Henson and Dave Wiseman, uh, who are both friends of Harry, were also on the call. So it was great to get that sort of like past and present uh, together in one place uh, for a very special moment. Yeah, it was a really special moment on television, like you say. I think that it was a chance for Harry to show that side of him that people may forget. I mean, the fact that the military is so important to him and he served and he has friends who, um, you know, were casualties of war, uh, that clearly impacted him and keeps impacting him. And so for him to... uh, use his voice to lift up these charities and to to lift up, you know, making sure that people remember what they've been through and the sacrifices. I mean, it's really cool that he did that and that he chose to do it around VE Day, this this, um, huge day in in Europe. I, I think it was really special that he, that he took that moment and he, and he did it in a unique way too, telling a story that, you know, I didn't really know. That's not something that I had learned about um, in my American history classes. So uh, <laughs> learning about a guinea pig club, learning something new about history and then tying it into something that's currently happening today it is sort of a brilliant move by him. Yeah, and I spoke with a couple of the people who were involved in pulling that together and they said that, you know, it was the show that actually approached Harry, but he was very excited Mm. to be part of it because, as you say, these are stories that not everyone knows, uh, particularly outside of the UK. Um, And, of course, the Sussexes have been busy focusing on uh, other activities uh, tying into the pandemic. Uh, They were on a surprise phone call or a surprise Zoom call, whatever else, uh, to crisis (laughs) text line staffers in the US. They actually gate crashed their team meeting uh, because they wanted to thank the staff and offer words of encouragement because of course, as you know, services like Crisis, and here we have the UK equivalent, Shouts, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, are experiencing a deluge of uh, mm. people calling in, texting in at the moment because as we all face this lockdown, I think it can be an incredibly challenging time Uh, to people for a number of different reasons and I think whilst uh, organizations like this do the best they can they admittedly are finding it very hard to keep up with the demand. What a fun surprise for everyone on that staff too I imagine uh, it was incredibly unexpected and probably very well received and uh, again another important topic I mean you're spot on I know the World Health Organization has even come out saying they're concerned about the mental health crisis that's going to go on in pretty much every single country right now. Uh, and so it's something that's so important to pay attention to. And to have the backing of the royal family only just normalizes it so much and reminds people that everyone's dealing with these complicated emotions right now. They're not alone. And then to give them resources, I mean, it's even better. So uh, what a great chance to, again, raise awareness for this in a time where a lot of people are going to need it. Mm, Of course, Harry and Meghan have been involved with similar initiatives before. Uh, It was a year ago, uh, today actually, that uh, Harry, Meghan, William and Kate uh, launched the uh, British crisis tech service, which is called Shouts. It was the UK's first 24-7 crisis text line. Uh, And William and Kate jumped on a call to speak with staff from Shouts over here. 
earlier this week. Uh, William joined the call and called them all trailblazers, telling them how fantastic a job they've mm-hmm. been doing, uh, not just during the pandemic, but over the last year. I think they've already seen something like 300,000 text conversations take place uh, um, and two-thirds of those they say are people over the age of 25 so it's really been across the board a very diverse uh, response uh, from members of the public and they are of course looking for volunteers always so if you're interested do look up shouts online or on twitter Um, but in some more fun news uh, we also heard a little (laughs) bit this week about baby archie's birthday party yay (laughs) Uh, another news we all need right now (laughs) another first anniversary uh but one for a very special boy we saw a little glimpse at archie when megan read duck rabbit uh to archie uh, (laughs) for the save with stories initiative which is helping Mm -hmm. uh feed and educate children in the u.s and around the world during a very difficult time of course we know a lot of children rely on that main meal of the day to be at school it's where a lot of the nutrition comes from and of course where kids are growing it's such an important time for that to continue uh so with so many not able to go to school uh the save the children campaign save with stories is one that a lot of high profile figures have been involved in jen garner jimmy kimmel and of course we saw megan yeah. take part in that too uh, i don't know if you saw the video but it was very sweet and i think it, it gave us a, really sweet. a little bit of an insight into archie's personality who definitely knew what he wanted and what he didn't want in that video as he (laughs) threw various books to the floor. (laughs) (laughs) I did feel like it was one of the longest videos we've seen of him on social media. Again, normally we just get, I feel like, one photo or a quick photo op, a video op in the field or something. But this was sort of a lengthy Instagram video. You got a chance to kind of see the little guy doing his thing. Totally, and he's my he's grown up, and he's a very tall boy by the looks of it. <laughs> Amazing what a year can do, huh? And we heard from sources this week that, of course, they were in lockdown, but Harry and Meghan mm-hmm. were still able to have a very special day at home with him. Meghan made a cake, strawberries and cream. Harry helped decorate mm. the room with balloons. Now, How the cake has a bit of an interesting story to it, and I must admit, I had to Google this. Uh, it was what's called <laughs> a smash cake. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known this. I'm embarrassed because I'm an American and apparently this is a huge trend in America for babies. But I don't have kids yet myself, so I was totally in the dark. You mentioned this to me, Omid. I was like, what the heck's a snash cake? How am I missing this? But as we both learned, apparently it's a, a small cake for the guest of honor that they can smash as they eat it. And I guess it's very common for uh, first birthday parties. I mean, it make, would make sense. I remember actually hearing a story of when I was a child that I smashed someone else's birthday (laughs) (laughs) you're so ahead of the trend Um, you were smashing cakes before it was cool (laughs) i would like to think that i started this but also (laughs) i think for a child to actually have permission to do it is a lot more fun You know, I someone had something similar to this when I was little. I think I was five years old, and I was obsessed with dogs. So we had a dog birthday party, but the smash cake version of this, you know, 30 years ago, was that uh, we just only used our faces, and we ate them like dogs. So, you know, I was really ahead of the trend. <laughs> now that's a smash cake. <laughs> the second we're outside of lockdown, I need to see that happen. <laughs> I know they're all like burned by now. (laughs) Maggie, it's a pleasure as always. Thank you for joining me, keeping me company for our weekly half hour session. 
Um, Let's both go have smash cakes this weekend. Sounds good to me. All right, good to chat, Omid. And a big thank you to everyone that makes this show happen every week, especially you guys for listening uh, and leaving such great reviews as well. If you haven't done so, head on over to whichever app you use and leave a review for the show. It does help us out massively. And thank you to the guys in New York for lifting this show off the ground every week and dealing with all of my technical issues. Mike Dubusky, Layson Schneider and Anthony Alley. And until the next episode, stay safe, everyone. Look after yourselves and each other. Goodbye.